Hey folks, y'all all know about the algorithm, right? Yeah, so what I need you to do is like, share, and subscribe. I need you to help me with the algorithm. I need you to like, share, and subscribe, and please leave a comment. Because the more that you do to help me, the more invisible this gets, and the more this information gets out to other people. Again, thank you, and let's start the show. You woke? Time to get up. Hello and welcome to Thought Your Woke No Speed Limit Podcast. This is the first time in a while that I've done an audio only only podcast. Uh, but I thought I'd do one this year to start the year off because there's a lot of news stories out there. And, and I've been busy, so I haven't had the opportunity to just sit down and uh, do a podcast the way I wanted to. Um, but I hope your year is going wonderful. I hope things are, are great on your end. I hope that your families are doing well. Um, and I hope you will make all of your solutions, your your New Year's resolutions this year. I tried to avoid that this year. I did join Planet Fitness, I will tell you that, um, for the purpose of losing weight and getting myself in shape. So I did do that for myself this year. But let's go ahead and get started with today's story. So first on the list is McCarthy. Uh, McCarthy becomes Speaker of the House after 15 votes. And I don't mean 15 people voting for him. I mean, it took him 15 times to become Speaker of the House. Now, this story was something else. It was something to watch. The Democrats were laughing. They nominated Hakeem Jeffries every time, and every time Hakeem Jeffries almost got more votes than McCarthy. And here's the funny thing about that. It was not still not enough to win, win the Speaker of the House. But uh, Hakeem Jeffries became, almost became Speaker of the House as a Democrat with a Republican majority. That would have been crazy to watch, right? Well, McCarthy made some compromise with some of his uh, Freedom Caucus buddies, one of them including Marjorie Taylor Greene. Uh, the other one is, of course, Matt Gates, And it's like <laughs> that helped them get themselves because they're junior members of the Republican uh, a caucus so they they get to get some nice little committee seats and other things and then had some of the other republicans talk to people like matt gates who was holding out to the very end and they finally got the votes necessary for MacArthur to become speaker of the house so what does that mean does that make him weak we shall see because we're already seeing some things that they are going to um do so what what is the agenda of the uh republican party well i know right now the first thing on their list is to impeach the uh National Security Secretary uh, for his failure at the border. And the thing about impeaching someone, it has to be something criminal that the person's done. I can't see anything that the National Security Director has done that would be considered uh, criminal, right? So, so the question is, how can you impeach him for this? Of course, another thing is they're not going to uh, investigate Hunter Biden uh, because of all his dealings in Ukraine and other places. They also said they're not going to help, which they need to do, is increase the national debt ceiling so the debts can be paid. This is not... <laughs> Republicans play with this and conservatives talk about, oh, we shouldn't raise the national debt ceiling. We should never do that. The thing is, the idea is to put the, have the money there so we can pay the debts that we already owe. This is not about the money we spend. We can talk about that later. They want to negotiate that right now. It's like, let's negotiate. Let's cut some of the spending that the Democrats do, and then we'll, we'll raise the national debt limit. Well, if you can't pay your debts, then you default. 
And we don't want to be like the Russians right now who are defaulting on laws because of all of the sanctions against them. We don't want that now. We got the Republicans trying to sanction raising the debt ceiling so we can pay our debts money but on the other hand we can't help americans we you know we're upset right now about student loans in this country when you had uh americans stealing from the pp uh loan program you know you had people borrowing um money from the ppp loan service who shouldn't have including you know i believe the waltons i, I believe there were several senators themselves that actually borrowed from this uh tom brady you know, and so people were complaining about the NFL even borrowed money. Uh, they, were, they had to return the money because they shouldn't have got the loan in the first place. But there was no limit on letting them do that. But there's a problem with poor people who can't pay back their student loans and who get caught in this system of trying to pay back those student loans. Some of them end up defaulting, end up going into uh, uh, gar wage garnishment and losing. And sometimes you even lose your certificates because there's one lady who was a nurse who told she couldn't practice nursing anymore because she couldn't pay her student loans. Now, what sense did that make? Because now you can't pay your bills, right? So we live in that kind of world where we have debts that are piling up, piling up, piling up, piling up, and we need to pay for our debts. And yes, there's some expenses that we need to cut that the United States pays out that they shouldn't be paying out. Uh, like I said, one of those is what we—the money we give to these foreign countries for the, their person, for their national defense purposes. Uh, we need to stop that. It's kind of like police in the world the situation, and, and I think the United States needs to stop dealing out that money. There's other areas we can talk about. The United States need to cut back, but the place where they need to help people, um, they don't really want to, and that's in the area of, uh, of food assistance and uh, medic, uh, med medical care. They really don't want to help that, they, but they will give businesses millions of dollars. They will give uh, foreign countries billions of dollars every year, but they don't have a problem with that. So that's an area that we, we can talk about here. So what is McCarthy and his company going to do? I know I've been yapping on for a minute. What are they going to do? They're going to sit down and try to negotiate with the president of the United States and cut back on all that spending that the uh, Democrats are doing when they forget how much spending the Republican Party actually does as well. Um, but that whole situation with McCarthy has caused him to have to put people on committees that you wouldn't think you would see on. Marjorie Taylor Greene is somehow on the National Security Committee, on the, I believe on the Judicial Committee, and I wish she was not on those things because she's under investigation for January 6th as well as under investigation for her harassing the uh, Sandy Hook kids because she would harass them, literally followed them around and asked them questions, had a cameraman with her and all this stuff, talking about, can you believe, you're fake, you're fake, you're fake, you're fake. She was doing the Alex Jones things, ba basically, uh, with, the whole, with that whole situation. Um, but this is going to be interesting. Let's see how this works out. Do they get to the point where they start talking about real, real legislation or are we just going to get all these... Uh, uh, all, all these investigations they're talking about, like, you know, another one that I got to talk about, and I'll talk about that in the next session, is Biden and all of his secrets. We'll be right back. Yeah, it's long as reproductions. So, yeah, let's go ahead and talk about the uh, uh, Biden story. Uh, this one's kind of been blowing up in the news for about a week or so. Uh, apparently, there were some secret documents found at Biden's uh, vice president office when he was serving as vice president of the United States. That's what they say they found the first uh, uh, ones there. 
He then got his lawyers to go and investigate, and then they reported finding these documents. Of course, once they found those documents, come to find out, guess what? They went and looked through some other papers and found other secret documents. Now, there's a lot of problematic things that happened here. First of all, these were Biden's lawyers. These were not government officials that found this information. So there's a problem with the fact that people who were not considered top secret or authorized were looking at top secret documents because they were going over these documents and they found them so they found them there and supposedly at one other location or residence of of biden uh biden's upset but the difference between what happened with them and what happened with trump is these folks actually tried to report and are allowing officials to investigate and do their job as far as i as far as i can tell um so Department of Justice has assigned a special prosecutor to this. They let them take a look at this. Uh, the person is a Trump era attorney. Like I said, you know they're trying to even out the field, make make it look neutral. So we'll see how this goes. Um, he's a holdover from the Trump era. Uh, same thing with on the other side. They got a special prosecutor with Trump looking into everything that Trump did, including all the stuff that he was trying to cover up, the lies, the, the stuff that was found, the stuff that he refused to give up, and they found it Mar-a-Lago, so on and so forth. Um, so here's the thing. Of course, like I just told you about the dysfunctional uh, house, one of the things they want to do now, of course, is they're going to jump on this and investigate before any evidence is out there. They're going to go ahead and jump on this right now. They're going to have hearings, and they want to know why the president doesn't want to talk, uh, all this stuff. Not thinking, of course, none of that has to do with the fact that the president is currently going through an investigation at all. No, no, no. That's not why. That's why the president wants to talk. And my understanding, because this is what I'm hearing from other from reporters out there, is that uh, Biden's not really happy about the whole thing. Uh, he, of course, you know, we can say, well, this is Biden's fault. Those were papers and found at his location, but this were, may have been found in some of his assistance offices. Why do they have secret documents? Of course, the issue is some of those papers may have information about situations in Ukraine, which comes back to Hunter Biden and the fact that he, that uh, Biden's son uh, was involved in dealings with a Ukrainian company. So, you know, of course, now the Republicans are jumping on this like this is our opportunity to show that what happened to Trump, you know, they need to treat uh, Biden like they treat Trump. Part of that comes from the fact that Trump has this need to be a habitual liar that we don't talk about, even though the Bidens may be trying to hold on to some things and not telling them the whole story just yet. And I'm not saying that they're habitual liars, but they at least are reporting and cooperating with the FBI and other authorities to try to get this resolved. There's a big difference between Trump. Trump, when he got lawyers, he lawyered up. He tried to keep stuff from getting taken back. He claimed that some of the secret documents that he had actually uh, made them not uh, no longer secrets, and he had nuclear documents and things like that that he shouldn't have had in his possession, that he had in his possession. Um, so, you know, I don't know all the documents that are in place with Biden. I do know that some of them kind of sound, you know, like the Ukrainian thing. So we'll have to see what happens. But if Biden violated, you should give him the same process you give Trump. Both of them deserve the same thing. So it's necessary. I believe this as a person. I'm a Democrat, okay? But I'm not going to sit here and just say, hey, Biden's squeaky clean, yada, yada, yada. No, we need to go through the process of investigation. And if there's any charges that need to be charged, go ahead and charge them. Even if it isn't Biden or it's just people in his office, we have to do what we have to do. Same with Trump. But Trump has been lying, so he's putting himself in a different hole than Biden is doing right now. Biden just decided to be quiet. 
that's the best thing to do in a situation like this. Don't say anything. Let the investigation work it out. If they need to ask you some questions and you answer those questions at the time that you need to answer them, don't be on the media. Don't be in their face. Don't do that. Meanwhile, Trump is trying to figure out another lie to add to this fact. Like, they're not treating me the same. They're not treating me the same as by, as President Biden. Uh, bro, it's not the same situation at all. You didn't tell the truth. You got to tell the truth. Then we can talk about it being the same situation. Anyway, uh, that's enough about that story. As we know, uh, like I said, there, there's, these are the things that kind of fall in your face, kind of one of those situations like, you know, everybody's like, ha, Trump, see how bad Trump is? Look at all the stupid stuff he was doing, keeping secret. Who was he giving these secrets to? So on and so forth. It kind of like falls on your face when you go, it. Biden had those, had a similar situation. It's like, ouch. Uh, that's the only thing for me. That's the big thing. It's like, ouch. But like I said, all things being fair, both of them need to be treated the same. You got special prosecutors in both cases. Good. So that means that these guys will actually look into the case and find things and see what's, uh, you know, whether there is any you know, weird things going on. And we, the attorney general uh, recused himself from this like he should have and allowed the uh, Department of Justice to do its job. That's what he's supposed to do. Now, there's some other things I need to talk about, um, especially gun violence in the United States. And we'll be right Our Constitution says a well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state, the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be entrenched. That's what our Constitution says. What has that meant to us as Americans? It, 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 it has launched a culture that is unique in the world to a certain degree. The people who are citizens of this country have the right to bear arms. That means they have the right to have weapons at their homes like guns. Uh, and pistols, shotguns, those type of things. They, they they have the right to have those things. Now, when it comes to tanks and machine guns and other things like this, we do not allow that in the United States. But according to that, it says that there is no infringement upon our rights. But we have put laws in place to protect our, our citizens from each other and from them having things in their thing that are so lethal it can kill a lot of people, right? So you can't have bazookas. You can't have... Uh, RPGs. Uh, you can't have things like that, but you can have like a rifle, uh, a assault rifle. You can't have a, a, a again a nine millimeter pistol or something like that. But that has also led to other issues in the United States. You know, we can go back and talk about the Civil War, how how the Civil War started, and, and that part of that was this, the Second Amendment, a small but very vital part of of, of the Civil War. Um. But we can also talk about the fact that because of our gun culture and our right to gun culture, we've had things over, oh, in the past that are incidences that we can say are a byproduct of that right to bear arms. You know, for a long time in the United States, uh, duels were a way to settle disagreements between gentlemen in this country. And one of those agreements was uh, got one of our famous... Uh, well, I, I hate to call them forefathers because uh, as a black man, it's hard for us to call the founders of this country, forefathers, but one of our founding members of this country, uh, Alexander Hamilton, uh, who was a, a Federalist, uh, he was famously killed in a duel, or injured in the duel and later died from his injuries in that duel. Um, 
we also know that presidents like Andrew Jackson was popular, a popular person who liked to also be a duelist. Now, we've outlawed certain things like that, you know, and we hear stories about the wild, wild west, of course, where murders happen on a frequent basis, and a lot of times it was because of guns, right? Uh, where there was lawlessness, in the, but, you know, Americans had the right to carry their weapons, so they, they carried their weapons of freedom until law and order was established. We live in a society today, you know, where we find things like murder uh, distasteful. Uh, we live in a society today where we find the, that the right to bear arms has come with some caveats as well. And I'm not trying to sit here and say, oh, we need to stop carrying guns. No, in America, we have that right to carry a gun, but it's a responsibility that we have to that right to bear arms that I'm talking about. So there are several cases that have recently come up that talks about the lack of responsibility that we have had in our society. Now, the first one is this one, and it's it's a sad story, but it's a shocking story at that. So maybe you heard about this young man in uh, Newport News, and I'm not even going to say young man, this child, this six-year-old child, a first grader uh, in Newport News, uh, Virginia, who shot his teacher who shot and wounded his teacher. The young man was in class. He had a book bag on his table. Uh, according to one child in the class, they were in reading circles. He went in his book bag, pulled out this gun, when the, and then when the teacher went to approach him to try to confiscate the weapon, the young man shot her. She put her hand in front of her, uh, her chest or her body, and the bullet went through her hand, of course, and into her abdomen. Uh, she did manage to get the kids out of the classroom, locked them in another classroom. When she went downstairs to the principal's office, she collapsed. Uh, paramedics were called. I, some people said they tried to do CPR. I don't think that's what happened. But she is, she was in the hospital trying to recover from her wounds. and She may still be there. It's been about two weeks ago. But here's the thing. This is a six-year-old child. Had a 9 millimeter pistol in his, his book bag. There's now some stories coming out saying that there was a warning sent out to the school that this young man had a weapon. So the school actually searched his bag, but nobody found the gun. So here comes the question. Did he, he knew that they were looking for this weapon. Did he hide it somewhere and then go and retrieve the weapon and put it back in the bag? What happened? Nobody knows. See, uh, six-year-old kids don't normally have lockers at school. They might have a cubbyhole or something like that where they put their stuff. But most, most of the times at school, uh, they don't have lockers like high school kids. So you can't go and search the locker. So where did this kid have a, have have this weapon we don't know uh but it was in the bag when he shot the teacher her name is abby swarner abby swarner like i said is now recovering from her wounds from this incident with this young man now this whole this young man's life is being turned around of course because now he's in police custody uh he's going through mental evaluation uh, and here's the other part of the story apparently his mother um and they're speaking to both of the parents the mother had purchased this weapon Probably for her per, uh, personal protection. It was legally purchased, so it was a legally owned gun. There's nothing illegal about that. But the child apparently had access to wherever this gun was in the house. Instead of the gun being either locked in, a, in a, a gun safe or having a lock on the gun, the child had access and was able to get to the gun. And it's possible that he even knew how to load the gun because that, uh, that's part of the thing. I think the child loaded the gun, loaded the weapon. Maybe he saw his mother loading the weapon. Maybe he watched his mother. You'd be, you'd be, you are, I am often surprised by what kids learn by observation. Because we forget about the things we learned as children as observation. Simple observation, uh, children can learn from those things and can repeat exactly what they saw. Now, the reason why I bring up the whole thing about our gun culture is this. Um, we have to think about how our freedoms 
come with great responsibility. We live in a country where last year there was 40,000 gun deaths in this country. Of those 40,000, half, about 20,000 were suicide. So people with guns who had mental issues killed themselves. Another 20,000 or so were of various types. Like, uh, of course, murder. Um, uh, incidents where maybe a child shot another child. Uh, incidents where... Uh, just all kinds of gun violence, you know, what you hear about the murders on the streets, so on and so forth. Those things happened last year. Among those were over 600 mass shootings. And we know some of them because some of them were quite tragic. Uh, the eight people who died in Buffalo, the 19 young children who died in Uvalde. Again, children were involved. Uh, the shooting at the club in Colorado, the gay club in Colorado, where I think several, like five or six people were killed there as well. And several, several were injured. Uh, another mass shooting there. Uh, there was also an incident that we heard about in Oklahoma, where a man went into the hospital and killed four or four people, uh, two doctors and two other people in the hospital, as well as uh shooting in, um, California that happened the same day as the Buffalo where a man entered a, a, a church, a Thai church, and killed uh, five people there. But those are just some of the incidents, because there were over 600 last year, and there's even one on New Year's Day of this year that happened in Mobile, where several people got shot during a, during a good uh, celebration of a new year when people were supposed to be having a good time, a gun a gunshots rang out. Now, like I said, in this country, we have a responsibility. You know, we, we last year, year before last, we put in red flag laws because of those mass shootings that were going on. We, you know, we get into this debate. So people get into their bunkers. The NRA types, the people who own guns, they get in one bunker. That's why you see some of these tags on the back of the car that say, don't trade on me. Gun owners, they got their tags and stuff. It's like, hey, I got my weapons. And they're proud of having their weapons. And they're, but they're responsible. 98% of the people who own guns, 99% of the people who own guns are responsible individuals, but there are those 10% that cost the lives of other people because they're not responsible, they're not mentally capable of having the weapon, or they have something else going on in their life. So those are the people that are dangerous in a society where it's a freedom to have a weapon. People put their lives on, on risk every day. When you live in a neighborhood where young people, who have these guns, and by the way, in the state of Alabama, for instance, where violence happens in Anderson, Alabama, Birmingham, uh, uh, Tuscaloosa, Montgomery, Mobile, all the major cities in this state where violence is out of hand is higher per capita than even places like Chicago, uh, uh, Atlanta, or, or, or New York. Uh, you can carry a gun, open carry a gun. You don't need a permit to carry that weapon here. We want to make the law, law as lax as possible because the Constitution says you have a right to carry a gun, though we kind of misconstrue the reasons behind that. It says for the purpose of a free state. In other words, to avert tyranny. Now, that's a whole other conversation for another time about weaponry, okay? And I'm not here to sit here and spout off about regulations and your rights, but I'm, I'm talking about responsibility. And it's not just the responsibility of the people who commit the crimes because that's the aftermath. What are we doing beforehand? that prevents the crime so what am i doing i'm going to charge you with murder because you committed a crime but okay that's not stopping the situation beforehand what are we doing as responsible people gun owners and non-gun owners in this country do, do things and in the case of the six-year-old child 
in the case of the six-year-old child, the mother did not put a lock on the gun. She did not put the gun, the gun in the gun safe. So now we have traumatized children out of school. And young, another young man whose life is totally altered forever. He probably will never be allowed back into the school system just because it's one violent, <coughs> excuse me, one violent incident in his life. We have a teacher that's shot. Her mental state may be different. She may never trust her walking into a classroom again. You just never know what this does to people. And this is not the only case. I want to talk about one other case. And we'll talk about that when we return. Hey, folks, I want you to check out my friends over the Chop Shop Podcast 205. These three guys are, are guys who are going to be telling you about their life experiences and the different topics they talk about every day are quite interesting. So go ahead, take an opportunity to listen to the Chop Shop Podcast 205. Okay, so I told you I would tell you about one more story. Um... This story is just as shocking, just as bad as the Abby Warner story. Uh, a story that's now gotten national attention is about uh, Darius Miles, a uh, young Alabama basketball player, reserve basketball player who's been arrested for murder. And the murder happened right near the campus at the, uh, right there on what they call the Strip. Basically here there's a bunch of restaurants and clubs in the entertainment district basically right next to the school. People go out there to have a good time. They drink uh, of course, they go to parties, so on and so forth. Apparently, Darius Miles and Michael Lynn Davis got into an argument with a gentleman who was with a young lady named Jamia Janae Harris. Somewhere during that argument, Jamia and her friend, they got in their car, and I guess they were going to leave, and they, the, the other men got in an argument with them and started shooting at them in the car, and the other person shot back. Apparently... I don't know who started the shooting. Either way, it was gunfire exchange between the two groups. Unfortunately, in this process, Jamia Janae Harris died. She was 20 years old, had a 5-year-old child, so she was a mother. She died. Now, my understanding about Darius Miles and Michael Lynn Davis is that Miles owned the gun, but Miles did not pull the trigger. Michael Lynn Parks pulled the trigger. Now, Michael Lynn Parks, I don't know if he was a student. He may have been a student at Alabama, but he was from Maryland. So, you know, he was in Tuscaloosa, Alabama, of all places. But apparently he was a friend of Darius Miles. So, uh, Darius Miles apparently handed him the weapon, and he exchanged fire with this other gentleman that was in the car with Jamia. Uh, Jamia ends up dead. Now, the reason why I bring up the story is for more than one reason. You see Darius Miles. He's a young man whose life is totally altered now. Whatever path he was on before, that's gone. Now he's going to jail for murder, maybe for life. Uh, Jamia Janae Harris is dead. Her child will grow up without a mother. Uh, I don't know if she'll have a father in life either. I don't know the whole story behind that. But I do know that she will grow, that child, the, he will grow up without his mother. This one I talk about responsibility. Darius Miles may have been legally carrying a weapon because in Alabama, like, again, this is open carry state. There is no law that says he can't have that gun. But Darius Miles made one mistake. He handed that gun to Michael Ann Davis to settle an argument. And this is becoming a frequent problem nationwide, not just here in Alabama, anywhere, where for some reason young people and even some older people are resorting to guns to solve their conflicts. You know, we used to have a good old fist fight, not anymore. Nowadays, we just kill the person. I don't know why our society has become more sociopathic, more psychopathic when it comes to the use of weapons. We need to do an investigation as to find out why. 
course, our country would rather spend more time arguing over whether you have a right to carry a gun or not, or whether we should regulate uh, gun carrying at all, or whether we should have permits to allow people so people can continuously do the things they do. Like I said earlier in another segment, we had 20,000 gun deaths last year that you can't relate to self-inflicted wounds. So, and 600 mass shootings. Uh, and I'm not, again, like I said, I'm not trying to get here and start this whole regulation uh, rambling about us needing laws. We do. We put gun, we have gun safety laws, background checks, and things like that in place for a reason. And we had to add red flag laws. But we need mental health evaluation. We need good gun training. Maybe we need training in school for the kids so that so they understand the responsibilities of carrying a weapon. And that's part of the problem, I think, is that people don't care about the responsibility. I have my right even though I don't understand what that right entails and how that makes, how I have to be a responsible citizen because I am the keeper of my brother. And that's something that bothers me the most about this. We have this right and this culture. And I'm not saying that we are a gun-mad nation, but we do have a lot of things that we don't understand with the weapon. Like I said, 90% of the people in this country are responsible. There are some people with mental illness. They get their hands on these weapons. There are warning signs that there's a problem. And they end up doing things that they shouldn't do, but there's nothing to stop them. That's what we got. You know, we're working on the red flag laws. We need more mental health rules to keep people from getting guns in their health. But people are like, I don't want you to regulate anymore. It's my right to carry. Stop, stop. It's a baby move to me. That's a baby move. I'm sorry, it's a baby move. When I see young, too many young people dying, when I see mass shootings where, especially this one in Uvalde last year, once again, it was another shooting where children, mostly, 10 and 11 years old died because of some guy with a gun who legally purchased a gun now, but there were signs that he was mentally ill. He was making reports online. He made threats to other people. There are things here, and we had nothing in place to do anything about this. Or we had play, or we had opportunities like the kid in Buffalo where the police had investigated the guy, taking the weapons away, and then he come back and he gets the weapons and he got them again, and then he goes and kills people. There are things that we are not doing as responsible people to curb the violence in this country. And like I said, the young man in Newport, Virginia, mother should have locked that gun in the gun safe. And the question is, is what did she know about storing a weapon? Because people can purchase a gun and they don't get any kind of training or warning or saying, hey, look, you need to do this, this, and this. Do you have a child in home? Well, you need to do this, this, and this to make sure that this child does not touch this weapon. People just simply buy a weapon because I need protection and don't think about the consequences. Well, if I just put it in my drawer, the kid won't see it, won't be a problem. Those kind of things. Seriously. These are the things that are important because some people need a little a little help with this responsibility that they're given. Because they say, you know, you hear that old line, people say, with great power comes great responsibility. Well, a gun gives people power to a certain degree, but there's a responsibility to having that weapon. And we need to be a responsible nation when it comes to that right. Whether you be liberal, whether you be conservative, whether it be whatever. Uh, I won't even get into the whole problem with militias and, and January 6th and other incidences that happen. Now, we also have one more I need to talk about, but I probably, I'll probably i do it on another show. Uh, I'll, I'll probably wait till the next show to talk about this, this gentleman in uh, New Mexico. But I did want to talk about Abby Warner, Swarner and Jamie Janae Harris, because those stories are important. Those are those are the individual stories that you feel the pain. A school teacher and a mother. Victims 
of our right, our freedom. And that's not me saying this because I'm trying to get rid of the freedom. I'm trying to think of, make us understand how we have to be responsible for the freedom that God has given us. The freedom that this Constitution has given us. We like to freak out over our constitutional rights, but we don't understand the responsibility behind it. Got a First Amendment right that says we have the right to free speech, and we have to be responsible in how we speak to make sure that we are not harming others with our speech. We have a Second Amendment right that gives us the right to bear arms and to uh, carry a weapon. But we must make sure that we're doing everything impossible to not only preserve that right, but to preserve life in the process of us having that right. And these are the things I want to talk about. That's that's what I wanted to say today. Uh, we are responsible for our freedoms. Our freedoms come with responsibility. Every American is responsible for every death that happens in the United States because they have not been responsible enough towards their freedom. And this is how I'm going to end today. Okay. Uh, my hope is that we become more responsible and more understanding of our freedoms and our rights in this country and that we lock down instead of getting in our, uh, our bunkers about these situations, we're going to look for reasons and ways to solve the problem. And that is all I have to say today. I thank you all again for listening to the Thought You Wrote No Speed Limit podcast. Make sure you hit that follow button, like, share, and subscribe, whatever page you are. If you're on Google, if you're on Apple, if you're on um, uh, iHeart, make sure that you hit the like button, subscribe, and please leave a comment. Y'all have a terrific day. Peace. You have been listening to Thought You Were Woke No Speed Limit Podcast.